Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for joining us. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program. And please stay with us for this hour as we are going to open the Bible again. And we are going to continue to look into this uh, wonderful uh, uh, theme, the cosmic messages. Today we are going to talk a little bit more about fear God and give glory to him. I would like to welcome our panel today and I will say hello to Jerry. It's good to have you with us. Good morning, Nick. Great to be here with you. Hi, Brenton. It's good to have you back with us too. Oh, it's lovely to be back. Um, and we're looking forward to this very important study, Nick. And uh, now I know that you are with uh, Len today because we are uh, uh, here in a beautiful um, Riverland region with a big camp here. And uh, if you hear some noise around, uh, that's because we are recording from an open ground here. And uh, yeah, it's wonderful to be in the nature also, some of us. But uh, Len, it's with you and uh, it's good to have you, Len, part of this. Yes, thanks, Nick. And hello, listeners. I will say hello to Joe. Thank you for joining us. Always good to be here. Thank you, Nick. And also, hi, Will. Thank you for being part of this uh, discussion. Thank you, Nick. It's a privilege. Well, uh, it's good to have uh, Ken with us today because uh, Ken is going to facilitate this discussion. And welcome to the program, Ken. Thank you, Nick. Always a privilege to be here. Well, with no further comments, I would like to just hand it over to you. Please take us through. Thank you, Nick. In his author, Thorkin Kierkegaard, told a parable about the end time. It went something like this. A fire broke out backstage in a big theatre. A clown, who had been part of the performance, came out to warn the audience. Get out, get out, get out, the place is on fire, he shouted. The audience thought it was just a big joke, part of the show, that's all, and just applauded. He repeated the warning, get out, get out. But the more emphatically he warned them, the greater the applause. For Kierkegaard, that is how the world is going to end. That is, to the general applause of which we believe it's a joke. The end of the world and events leading up to it are, as we know, no joke. The world faces the most serious crisis since the flood. In fact, Peter himself uses the story of the flood as a symbol of the end, warning that just as the world of old perished by water in the end times, the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That's in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Having been warned about what is coming, we now need to be prepared for it as well. But before we look into today's study, I'll ask Joe to open in prayer. Certainly. Father, please be with us as we open your word and study what it means to give you glory, not only in words, but in actions and a life of putting others' needs ahead of our own. Living a life of service, guide our thoughts and words and speak to our hearts to inspire us to walk ever more closely with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joe. If you heard last week's study, 
You may recall we talked about the everlasting gospel, along with the three cosmic or angels' messages, talking about our time, the days we live in now, as found in the book of Revelation. The purpose of this book is to prepare people ready for the soon return of Jesus and to give his last day message and final call to all mankind in every country around the world. You may ask, how do God's followers know this? We find the answer in the book of Amos in chapter 3, verse 7, which says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the servants of God's. This is very good news for everyone who wants to know what the Bible has to say about life and times on this earth. We read in Revelation 14, verse 6, about an angel flying in heaven with the everlasting gospel and saying in verse 7, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Now this sounds a bit odd, as we always hear of God's great love for mankind. Then, would you expand on this first part of this, fear God and give glory to him? Well, what does it mean to fear God? Well, I'd like to point out that many athletes, before they commence their competition or race or whatever they're in, always seem to express that they're a little bit fearful which means they are uncertain and they're not too cocky. But this word fear, as well as meaning to uh, be afraid of, also has other meanings which we need to look at today. Now, I don't think it's wrong to be a little bit afraid of God because, after all, he is God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he is much different than we human beings are. Although I get the idea that some people try to bring God down to a human level. So why should we fear God? Well, one of the things is his matchless power as creator. He created the world. He created the universe. He created human beings. And I can give you support verses for that. And that power continues on right now. We are alive and the world still turns because of God's power. Another reason for us to fear God is because God is holy, completely holy. God never sins. He is pure and perfect. And um, so we as imperfect beings, as as people who've been affected by sin, uh, to stand in the presence of God, we would feel very humble. Another thing is that God is very generous and he blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. And sometimes what we regard as a misfortune or a curse is actually a blessing. Because God uses difficult circumstances in our lives to reach us. And that's wonderful that God is so interested in us as human beings. Another thing, God is a God of justice. And he 
will judge the entire human race. Now, knowing that we're going to be judged is a good reason to fear God and to give him glory. We also need to realize as creator of the universe, everything in it, there are people who worship other people, but they're all fallible anyhow. But God as creator, we need to recognize him as our creator, our sustainer, and redeemer. And if that's not a good reason to fear God in the sense of respecting and obeying, I don't know what else, what, what other reason we would have. Thank you, Len. That was a good explanation. Will, would you take us through the next part of this, or the hour of his judgment has come? Yes, Ken. The Saviour himself uh, foretold that there would come a time when the world, yes, that's all humanity, would be called to account. And the great standard of righteousness by which every person would be judged would be the law of God, the Ten Commandments. The judge of the earth will also examine how we treated others during our lifetimes. Jesus proclaimed that certain signs and conditions on earth would point to his return. And Revelation 14 that we are touching on now loudly heralds a coming judgment. Matthew 24 and uh, the whole book of Revelation call our attention to a very trying time to come. And Jesus goes so far as to magnify it as a time such as never was. It's understandable then that on this very subject of coming strife, pulpits of every denomination throughout the centuries have made warning. Adventists have taken up these uh, earnest predictions as well, hence our focus on the three angels' messages. You know, discerning people pick up from the conditions in this world that there is a major shift, a serious fragmentation, in fact, foretelling that the world, the end of the, of all things is at hand. Pastor Mark Finley writes, is there not enough taking place around us? to show us the dangers that beset our path. Everywhere are seen wrecks of humanity, neglected family altars, broken up families. There is a strange abandonment of principle, a lowering of the standard of morality. The the sins are uh, fast increasing, which caused the judgments of God to be poured out upon the earth in the flood and in the destruction of Sodom by fire. We are nearing the end. God is born long with the perversity of mankind, but their punishment is no less certain. Let those who profess to be the light of the world depart from all iniquity. You know, the book of Revelation tells us three times, Behold, I come quickly. Hamel, what's your thought about fearing God? Are you actually in fear of God? Well, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So someone who doesn't care, is not afraid of God, doesn't believe in God, might be 
um, seem to be not very wise because the fear of God, another word for the fear and the respect would be like deference or to revere, to be reverent. And so if we don't have that, then we are fools because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And if we start to commence to fear God, commence to fear God and to respect him and what he stands for and what he says in his word, well, we're, we've, you know, that's the beginning of, of the pathway to heaven, isn't it? Yes. Liam? I know I've spoken about this just a moment or two ago. One time I was teaching a Bible class and I asked the class if um, in the order of things, if we say worms are equal to the bottom layer of bricks in the building where we were, and then say mammals with the second layer of bricks, and then of human beings with the third layer of bricks going up in complexity, where would God be? And I was very pleased when I heard the answer. They said, the wall is not high enough. God would be the moon away in order to just make a comparison. Now, if that's not a good reason to understand that God is of a much greater order than we human beings are, I don't really know what how people think uh, if they regard God as perhaps on the fourth layer of bricks or something like that. No, God is so much superior than human beings, that's the reason why we need to fear him, or one of the reasons at least. Yes, uh, that's a very interesting question, and uh, we can look at from different angles. In my understanding is that to fear God, first of all, you need to know him very well. If you don't know him, you may have an, a sort of a fear which, you know, is not that relevant but in the context we are talking about to fear god is to know god to understand god to revere god but also to understand his will with us all and even to understand his judgments and the judgment to come if we look in the originals you know uh, about this word to fear god actually is very well connected with the judgment and I believe it's very important to look from this perspective, because if you don't know God, what's the point of fearing God? But if you know God, it's important because you may think that you walk with God, but you may walk astray from God, even pretending that you know God. A couple of interesting points that we've touched on so far. Um, we've uh, certainly looked at the issue of fear in regard to reverence or respect and um, what Joe was uh, talking about as well. But here's something else that I find interesting. Evolution, as we all know, teaches us that we're getting better and better. But you know what? Even if you believe in the theory of evolution, it hasn't done away from the aspect of the judgment. You can't dismiss the judgment by just saying that we're getting better and better and better and we don't need it. In the Bible, we're told that perfect love casts out fear. And so the fear that we should have of God is certainly a reverential awe. 
but it's a fear in the sense that we know that we are covered, our sins are forgiven, and that we are in Christ. And I believe for ourselves and our listeners that is actually very important. But just because you don't believe in God doesn't take away the fact that the judgment is still coming. And when you do find out about the judgment, um, you recognize that uh, it's the fear of judgment really and what's coming that motivates people sometimes to want to seek out the Lord because the Bible is full of examples of where judgment was promised on people and they repented as a result of it. I think Revelation 14, 6 and 7 is all part of calling people back to repentance from the way of life they're living and for them to see God as their creator as well as their redeemer. That's a very good point, Brenton. What else does it mean to fear or respect God? Terry, would you like to answer this one? Yeah, when I look at uh, Deuteronomy, um, as we know, it's it's a revision of the history of Israel. Moses, right at the end of his life, reminds, pleads with the people and reminds them to observe the commandments and statutes that God has given him for them. And and there's good reasons for that. I mean, over and over, he repeats that uh, in different ways. I'd like to just read a few verses from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, where he says, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this nation, surely this great nation, is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it? as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And then it goes on to say, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. And that theme comes back over and over. In uh, the next chapter, chapter 5, verse 29, there's a beautiful verse that says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. Reason? That it may be well with them and with their children forever. So it makes perfect sense, good sense, to keep God's commandments um, if you want a good life, a happy life, a successful life, then keep God's commandments. Walk with God. He should know what's best for us. And I often use the the, uh, the saying, it's, it's, it's a blueprint for a happy life if you walk with God and keep his commandments. It made good sense then and it makes good sense now for us too. Yes. Gary, there's another important scripture found in Sam. 119 verse 73. Would you yeah. read and explain this one as well? Why it is important to keep God's Ten Commandments? Yeah, in verse 73 of Psalm 119, it says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. I look at it this way, Kent. If God is our creator, then he is the one that has put us together. He, he knows everything about us and 
clearly he wants us to have that that life, that quality life that we can have if we abide in him. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Uh, and then if you do that, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. So it's almost like uh, if you have a car manufacturer who, you know, they have a fleet of engineers who design a vehicle and they spend, they spend who knows how long years probably putting engines together and designing engines. Now, you buy a vehicle, you get a, you get a service manual that goes with it. And in that service manual, it says, gives you all the specifications that you need to adhere to if you want your, your vehicle to last, especially the engine. It gives you the specifications for the, the right oil, the right torque settings, the right service intervals, and so on and so on. If you stick to it, you, your engine's going to last for a while. If you dismiss it or, you know, just become very careless, your car's going to pack up in no time. And it might be, I don't know if that's a good example, but um, I think if we live life the way God intended for us to live it, if we follow his instructions, so to speak, then we can be uh, guaranteed that we're going to have a, a good life, a happy life, successful life. And by the way, as has as already been said, God's law is the divine standard in the judgment as well. So whether we believe it or not, we're, we're going to face him in the judgment. That, that the Bible says clearly we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It has to be a standard by which we are judged. That's, yeah, that's the point. I, I think there's another point here we may be overlooking in regard to the commandments. We've mentioned them a number of times so far. Have we ever thought of God's Ten Commandments in terms of a lifestyle choice? Now, today, people are strong, and Joe would know this and the rest of us, people are really into lifestyle. What is a lifestyle that really suits me, the type of life I want to live? Obedience to the Ten Commandments on the spiritual level, thus resulting in physical action, is a lifestyle that can't be exceeded, it can't be excelled, because that lifestyle leads us, um, remember David said, I love your law because I have more wisdom than all the ancients. Um, keeping God's commandments as a lifestyle, I believe, gives you greater insight into the difference between good and evil, and it gives you a greater happiness and contentment because God didn't give the Ten Commandments as a negative. He gave them as a positive. And if we see them in that light rather than so often as is seen as a negative, I believe that we would understand that keeping of God's commandments is a positive, happy lifestyle choice. I agree. I think this is summed up very well in Ecclesiastics chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. Benton, would you look at this and explain what verse 14 means? Each person's life will be read or shown before the whole universe from start to finish. What's this about? Well, let me read the verses, uh, Ken. That's um, this is. I'm going to not read the version I've got. I'm going to quote from a version that is more familiar, probably the King James version. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret sin. Uh, the bottom line is that after summarizing this um, book that we call Ecclesiastes, and here's an interesting point for our listeners, uh, 
Solomon was one of, if not the richest men who ever lived. Uh, it has been estimated that his wealth in modern terms was $1.2 trillion. Now, here's a man who was old and he's reflecting on his life, which wasn't always as faithful as it should have been. And at the end of it, he draws this conclusion. This is the total totality of what we're required to do. We're required to fear God, and he's talking about the fear that we've been discussing as a panel this morning, the respect, the awe, and the obedience to God's word. And he doesn't say this is part of the package. He says this is the whole duty of man. And then he points out, I think almost, and by the way, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret sin. Now, we live in a world today where I call it the no-blame society. When terrible crimes and things are committed, it's no one's fault. Uh, he, he had a bad upbringing, um, whatever, 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 but there's no responsibility accepted. The judgment points out that you are responsible. You're responsible to the one who created you. And uh, I think Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, probably for the elite of society, as well as um, those of his subjects, is simply pointing out the fact that you can't improve on what I'm telling you now. To fear God, to reverence, respect, and be obedient to God because this is the totality of what God asks of you. And by the way, everything that you do will be brought um, into, as you said, it's like a magnifying glass. Everything is brought into focus. But if you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about that because God doesn't see Brenton Wilkinson or Ken Morton or any of our other panel members. God sees his son whose life is spotless and perfect, and therefore we have nothing to fear in the judgment. Um, and I think that's very good because John reflects on that, where he says that um, judgment is all about fear, but perfect love casts out fear. And I think that's the important issue here. These passages have a common thread connecting them. Will, what is this, and why is it so vital that Christians understand it? Then there is a definite link between fearing God and keeping his commandments. Fearing God is an attitude, as we have said, of reverential respect that leads to obedience, as um, Renton has said. Heaven's urgent appeal is for those saved by grace to be obedient to God's commands. Grace, if you think about it, does not free us from obeying the commands of God. The gospel sets us free from the law's condemnation, but not from our responsibility to obey it. Grace not only delivers us from the guilt of our past, but it empowers us to live godly, obedient lives in the present. You know, Revelation's final appeal calls us through faith in Jesus to accept the fullness of everything he offers. It calls us to fear God, which is expressed by faith in his redeeming power, to empower us to live godly, obedient lives. And I don't see the great the Ten Commandments 
as something that weighs heavily upon a person toward depression. Rather, it is a, a freeing agent to live a far better life. Some very good and important information there. And you have a passage to share with us. Yes, well, I would like to um, point out that in Western societies and many other societies, that self has become so important that um, God is left right out of the scene. And money, in fact, I when I hear things on the news about uh, a disaster or something like that, very often a money monetary figure is given. So money is the centre of many people's lives. And for some, it's pleasure or power, sports, music, entertainment. But the book of Revelation calls us to make God the centre of our lives. And I've said this on air before. Make God first, last, and best in everything. And as Brenton pointed out earlier, if we have Christ in our lives, we accept the salvation that was offered through him. There's nothing really to fear. But for those who avoid God, there is something to fear because judgment will go against them because they have completely ignored God and they will not be given eternal life. So the message is that we're talking about here. Make God first, last, best, and I'll add the center of our lives, of everything that we do and say and think. What Len said I agree with totally. There's another point here. People today go to um, uh, psychotherapists and therapists of all types of persuasions. The primary reason I believe many of them go to it is so that they don't feel guilty about themselves and what they've been doing. Now, it doesn't matter how many courses you go to or how many therapists you go to, (laughs) you cannot remove the load of guilt that a person carries. So really this Bible study that we are studying today, part of it is great peace. I think uh, David said, are they who love thy law and nothing will offend them. Um, there are two verses in the book of John, which I think are important for ourselves as a panel and also for our listeners. One of them says, um, <clears throat> in this world you will have tribulation, some versions use. The, the word for that is pressure. Now, do we live in a pressure-packed world? We certainly do. Um, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In other words, what I'm saying to you is I'm not negating the role of these various therapists, but they cannot remove the load of guilt that a person carries. The load of guilt is removed when you accept Jesus and accept his sacrifice on your behalf, and then you have a peace, and that's why the peace in John 14:27 is called a peace that the world can't understand because it's not available through TAFE, through university, or through, through therapy. It's only available through accepting Christ and receiving a peace that cannot be explained experientially by people. Very good point, Brenton. Listeners, 
There is no doubt with the panel sitting here today that God is the center of not only of our lives, but all life out there, including the great universe he has created. Earth's final conflict, which has been waged now, is a battle for the mind. It boils down to, do you believe and trust God, or do you want to go your own way and hope for the best? Giving glory to God, we spoke at the start of this study about this. Joe, what are some of the ways we can do this? Well, um, I'll read First Corinthians 3, verse 16. And it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And some would say that we could glorify God in the way that we treat our bodies with respect, that we look after them, feed them with the correct food, get exercise, sunlight, and importantly, getting lots of rest. That is true. But primarily and contextually, this verse was about the spiritual well-being of the church. The Greek word translated as you in verses 16 and 17, a plural. So when Paul says, you are the temple of God, he was referring to the believers as a group, the local church. The temple in Jerusalem, we might remember, was a sacred building dedicated to the worship of God. And according to Paul, the church, that little church that he was writing to, was the equivalent of the temple. God's presence resided in the church and the church was to maintain holiness and that lines up with Paul's urging the early church to maintain unity. They needed to protect the unity of God's temple and the believers needed to avoid any moral corruption that would defile the sacredness or the temple of God. That's its primary meaning in that context. There's a secondary application of treating our bodies as the dwelling place of God and showing respect for his gift of health to us. And as I've mentioned, this is done by eating and drinking good food and drinking in moderation, good drinks in moderation, that is, and avoiding those things that are known to speed up aging and disease. Now, we know that God desires our best and happier self, and we need some measure of health to achieve that, that is physical health and mental health. So we need to be conscious of those things and do our best to avoid or minimize the things which are detrimental to our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Good health is a big topic, but I have tried to say it as briefly as possible. The important thing to remember is that we are, as the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. Let us glorify God in our bodies and minds. Well, that makes good sense. If you want something to last, you look after it. Len, what did the Apostle Paul say about looking after your body? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a good reason other than personal good health um, to care for our bodies. I'd like to uh, share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, which says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. This introduces a different aspect to why we should care for our bodies. And then in that text that we had a little while ago, 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Know you not that you are the temple of God? Hmm. Which means whatever I do is not just for myself. It's a reflection on God. 
So what the Apostle Paul said is that our bodies are a sanctuary, the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Now, a temple, uh, the sanctuary, was originally built to have the presence of God. And here the Apostle Paul is extrapolating that we, his creation, are a place where God would like to reside, that we are made holy by the presence of God. And the scriptures give us a call to glorify God in every aspect of our lives. Every aspect yes. of our lives. When God is the center of our lives, our one desire is to give glory to him. Whether through diet, our dress, entertainment, or interaction with others. We give glory to God as we reveal his character and love to the world through our commitment, our obedience to doing his will. And this is even more important in the light of earth's end-time judgment, which we spoke about before. So the reason that we should care for our bodies is to honour and glorify God. And that's good enough for me. Now, I just want to say this. I'll give a little personal testimony. I was brought up in a God-fearing home, but I had to make my own decisions whether I was going to follow God or go my own way. I chose to follow God. At about the age of 15, I heard about how we can better care for our bodies. and One of the things was vegetarianism. Now, since then, I've learned all about the uh, cholesterol in in meats and some of the problems like that so i chose to become a vegetarian at that age you know i think that has paid off handsomely and i'm really thankful for the person who told me about how we should care for our bodies and this was one aspect of it and uh, so the conclusion of what i want to say here is caring for our bodies is actually a reflection on the God we serve. If we serve ourselves, or if we serve our Creator, Redeemer, God. Nick, Paul also talks about our bodies in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Would you take us through this and expand on the renewing of your mind and be transformed? That's a very important uh, aspect, um, Ken and panel. And dear listener, uh, listening today, it's worth it to open the book of Romans and read. There are beautiful things in the book of Romans, but uh, I would like to just uh, ponder a bit uh, in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, which I'm going to read this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We were talking a bit earlier in the program 
about fearing God, what that means to fear God. And we came with uh, different answers. And the uh, bottom line is that we need to put ourselves in the right order with God. And God is inviting us through his word to bring our bodies, our whole being, as a living sacrifice. Now, when I say that living sacrifice, you may think of the sacrificial aspect which God told his people, Israel, to do, which has to be, has to be perfect. And God is inviting us to bring our, our bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is the next word caught my attention, which says holy. Now, we like to mention very often that we are sinners and we are sinners. But God is, God is inviting us to be holy as he is holy and to be acceptable. Now, you can look at this passage, you know, uh, in, um, in detail and uh, draw some very nice lessons out of here. But I just want to, to maybe conclude uh, uh, this thought, uh, Ken, with this aspect of being transformed in our mind. I mean, I was thinking of this and I realized that, first of all, I need to rationalize what's going on. I need to understand what's going on. That's the first thing. And God will speak through us or to us through the Holy Spirit. Then we came to the point, Len was mentioning about this, to make decisions, to take that decision. And then when I take a decision, I will see if it has effects. I will be transformed. Now we can take a decision to walk away from God or to be renewed in God. I believe this is very important in the context we study uh, today, uh, Ken and, and panel, because we are talking about fear God and give glory to him. I mean, to give glory to God is to do all these things, to be a living sacrifice, to be holy. We cannot afford just continue to say, but we are sinners and we sin every day. <laughs> That's reality. We are sinners. But why not to take this to heart this passage in uh, Romans and uh, and apply it in our lives. Just to add to what Nick was saying, you know, as a living human being, we're not just body, we are mind. And this text that um, Nick read talks about the renewing of our mind, and which means making over, making good, which involves accepting the sacrifice of Jesus and serving God and obeying him also includes in caring for our minds. Now, some people suffer from depression. Yeah. Brenton Milton mentioned guilt before. The renewing of our minds is very important so that we can properly appreciate the character and nature of God. So here's another aspect. And I could talk quite a bit more about this, but I won't because I think we're running a bit short of time. But our minds are important, as important or even more important than our health. Good advice there for not only Christians, but all people from God's word. After all, it is God who has given us this amazing body. Should we not take very good care of it? 
We know that there are people out there who take more care of their cars or boats or, or other items they own, but abuse their bodies with all kinds of unhealthy things, uh, including alcohol, uh, tobacco, drugs, etc. They may enjoy these things now, but as we all know, later on you will have major health issues, which in many cases will lead to an early death. But it is possible to overcome these and other addictions. Now, you may be thinking, you have tried and failed, but you are trying in your own power. There are countless Christians who have overcome serious addictions because they give their lives to Jesus, to trust him, to serve him, to praise him. Listeners, Jesus knows all your problems. He knows everything about you. He is longing to help you. He wants you to be an overcomer too. He is knocking at the door of your heart. Don't miss this lifetime opportunity to join God's family and become an overcomer. Jesus is the answer to all your problems. Joe, how can we be sure of this? Expand a little on this, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and has risen. Okay, well, in Hebrews, Paul gives us some insight into this. He says, Hebrews four fourteen to 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Jesus, the Lamb of God, but he is also our high priest. The Son of God overcame the wiles of the devil, and he went far through far more than any one of us will ever go through, and yet without sin. This uh, verse tells us that Jesus understands, loves, and is ever compassionate toward the sinner. That is you and me. Paul encourage us, encourages us in these texts to, and I quote, let us hold fast our profession. Now, we might be tempted to give up, become weary of falling and failing and getting up again and then falling again. Paul says, do not give up. Hang in there until the end. We have someone. That someone is Jesus, who is our champion, God in human form. Therefore, we can be bold not presumptuous, but confident that we may approach God courageously and find not condemnation and rejection, but mercy, power, strength, and grace when we need it most. This promise is for every single person listening, not just an initiated few. The whole world is invited to reach out in faith in Christ, the Lamb of God who took our sins upon himself, that we may be reconciled and have eternal life. Jesus is returning soon. Every Everything has been done for us, and all we need to do is choose Jesus every day and walk with him. He didn't say it would be easy, but we must hold on to his hand, and while we hold his hand, we are safe. Must never let go and trust in him. I think that is what Paul is saying here, and it's a powerful message. certainly is. Panel, do you have any other thoughts you could put on this regarding trusting God in these final days of Earth's time? 
Yes, Ken. Uh, I just want to add here that as we are going through life in this period of time, you know, very troublous times, we may agree, each one of us here and uh, our listeners, that we we need to understand that God is in control. I mean, if we don't believe in God, that's a totally different uh, picture. But if we believe in God, then we cannot afford just uh, go on routinely basis. We need to give ourselves fully to God, to allow God to take us in his care and to give glory to him in every aspect of our life. To fear God doesn't mean that uh, we are going to do this, that, and all other things just not to be punished. We fear God because we love God and because we know that he has all the best in in store for us. That's why we bring ourselves to God, as I mentioned a bit earlier, uh, as a living sacrifice. If it's mentally, if it's physically, if it's all aspects of our life, we bring him before God with no defect, with the best we can bring. We cannot afford otherwise. The question is, who do we put our trust in? Is the very middle text in the Bible is Psalm 118, verse 9. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Yes. And I'll put it in modern language. It is better to trust better to trust the Lord than it is to trust the government. Now, I'm not talking against the government. The government can't do lots of things that are needed to be done, although they try their best. And I think we're very fortunate in this country to have good governments, not filled with corruption and so on. However, they are only human institutions. It is better to trust in the Lord. And by trusting in the Lord, we honour the Lord, which means we are fearing the Lord. Terry, you have a comment as well? Yeah, I'm just thinking of the, the logic behind the phrase, fear God and give glory to him. You often hear people say, well, this is my life, I'll do what I want. But in actual fact, that's not true. God created us, he made us, and then he paid for us as well by giving his only son to die on the cross for our sins. So we are his by creation and by redemption. And we've already uh, read the verse that it is our acceptable uh, service and reasonable service. It makes good sense. For me, there's a logic to that. And also, if you extend that also uh, to uh, what we read in Romans chapter 14, I'll just read a, a verse there from verse 11. It says, as I li live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God so that each of us shall give an account of himself to God. That's going to happen, and we need to reflect on that. Um, you know, so it makes good sense to be in awe of God and to fear God and to revere Him. He is our Maker and our King. He's the one who gives us life moment by moment. I think a healthy fear of God leads to a positive lifestyle. Now, um, Matthew five sixteen says, "Let your light so shine before men." that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
I believe, a genuine, healthy respect for God and reverence for God and obedience to his commandment would lead to a lifestyle that would be revolutionary in the society in which we live today. And people seeing that lifestyle would not be glorifying Brenton Wilkinson or Ken Morton or Joe or anybody else. They would recognize there is a power working within you uh, that they cannot explain. And that then brings glory to God. The glory to God, I believe, comes from the positive lifestyle that we have, the positive choices we make, and the positive effect that our lifestyle can have upon society in general. That's so true, Brenton. When you read many of the Old Testament stories, we read often about people of faith being put to death because of their faith. But they have so much faith and trust in God that rather than turn to mankind and go his ways, they decided, no, we will obey God and not man. Well, listeners, our time is just about up, not just in this Bible study, but in the world. I want to finish today with an important passage from the Apostle John found in Revelation 14 and verse 12. Here is the patience of the saint. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This is such an important passage, worth taking special notice of. Jesus is coming back to take those people who keep commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Now, this is sometimes something I think people miss this last section. It doesn't say, have the faith in Jesus, it says, have the faith of Jesus. Do not be misled into thinking, listeners, you do not have to keep God's commandments, you do. Nowhere in the Bible does it say they were done away with. And you need to have the faith of Jesus, which God will give you when you give your heart to him. Listeners, we sincerely and urgently ask you not to ignore this message. Jesus is waiting for you with open arms. He is pleading with you to open your heart to him. He wants to bless you more than you can understand. Would you open the door for him? Brenton, would you close with prayer? Certainly. Father in heaven, may we have a genuine awe and respect for your holiness, your goodness and your mercy towards us as sinful, erring human beings. We have been discussing today what it means to fear God and give glory to him. Lord, open our minds, each of us, not only as panel members, but as those who are listening. Help help us to realize um, maybe we need to have a total reorientation of our thinking, that our thinking includes at all times, first and foremost, would I be giving God glory? by the the course of action that I'm planning to take or the things that I'm planning to do, the places I'm planning to go, the way I present myself, the way I interact with others, all of those things uh, collectively give glory to you. We thank you that Jesus said at the end of his life, Father, I have glorified your name, glorify your son. And then he said that we would give glory to him by being in him. So my prayer today is for ourselves as panel and for those who are listening that we, this week, may give glory to God in all things and that others seeing our good works may glorify our Father in heaven. 
We thank you for that promise and we thank you that it can and will be fulfilled in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for uh, your participation today. This was a very interesting uh, Bible study. Fear God and give glory to him. But we are inviting you, my dear friend, to join us again next time when we are going to talk a little bit more about uh, the good news of the judgment. Judgment is good news. is not something to be afraid or scared of. But until then, may God richly bless you and have a walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And I'll invite you also, if you are in the Riverland area, to join us today as we are going to have a, a wonderful time here at the big camp. And I'll give you the address where to come if you are listening from uh, a Riverland area. It's number 57, Field Days Drive, Riverland Exhibition Center. Now, another thing I'd like to just mention, because uh, by the time we'll uh, replay this program, uh, this uh, may be over, the sessions here at the big camp. I'll invite you to go to Living Ministry Media and watch some of the presentations here because we're really blessed to have very great speakers. And if you want to even learn a little bit more about judgment, you'll be able to do that. Please visit Living Ministry Media and select... Um, the um, speakers there from the big camp in 2023. May God richly bless you.